all things New Orleans Saints. This is Who Dat Discussion. Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Say Hello and welcome back into another all-season edition here at the Who Dat Discussion. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Galata. You can follow me on Twitter, at Andrew Galata. And then also you can follow the podcast on Twitter, at the Who Dat Dis. And before we get into some news with some speculatives with the draft to see who would have drafted um, Cesar Ruiz if the Saints didn't. And also we're going to talk about the defensive end position for the Saints as we're going to bring back those position breakdowns as we did those the past few off seasons and then also we're going to keep going with our Drew Brees Sean Payton teams with the Saints ranking and uh, we're going to do the next installment of that as well but before we get into all of that I do want to say we just posted a film study here at the Houdat discussion and it was about Emmanuel Sanders and where he'll fit in the Saints and all the attributes that he'll bring I really hope that you guys go and um, take a moment to watch it. And really, because to me, I thought it did a really good job at just showing what the Saints could do with Emmanuel Sanders through what he did with other teams. We showed a deep pass. We showed a red zone play. We showed an amazing route running play. And then we also showed a slot play. So we saw we showed four different plays. And it should really, by the end of it, I'm really hoping that people get to really see what Emmanuel Sanders will do for the Saints. And I do think that, before we get into all this quickly about Emmanuel Sanders, I think just like through doing all the research for this video... He could be a player that's a real deal-breaker for the Saints, and he's going to be that really good number two to Michael Thomas. And at times, you know, they're gonna, it's, it's going to kind of be like when Michael, when um, Emmanuel Sanders played with Debo Samuel, which just better because Michael Thomas is so much better than Debo Samuel. And I do think this is going to be a huge step up for the Saints, and you're really going to see it on the field. I think, you know, probably similar to that step-off that we saw last year between Jared Cook and, like, a Ben Watson, maybe even, I think, even bigger, because I do think Ben Watson's still average, because the, the Saints' number two last year was below, way below average. And at least Ben Watson was average for the tight end, so I think you're, you're going to even see a bigger impact from that, and I think that was a really big impact. So definitely, I think that's really big for the Saints about getting Emmanuel Sanders, and you just see these plays, and you're just like, damn, like, Emmanuel Sanders can play, and I really hope you guys definitely check that out, because I had a ton of fun doing that, and I hope you guys have a ton of fun watching it, but with all that said, I think we should just jump right into some news, as the Chiefs would have taken Cesar Ruiz at 32, and it seems like the Dolphins would have took Cesar Ruiz at 26, the Dolphins ended up trading down, probably because Cesar Ruiz wasn't there, but that's kind of the player that both of these teams wanted. And this was um, according to Jeff Ireland, who says he has, obviously, like, I trust Jeff Ireland. He said they had a lot of sources in the league that said both these teams would have took him if he was available. And I do think that's very interesting. And another interesting thing that Ireland said is what the Saints were looking to move down, especially in the beginning. But after they heard this, they wanted to make sure they got Cesar Ruiz. And obviously, the Saints wanted their guy because they knew they were going to um, kind of let go of Walford and stuff like that, and they're hoping that they can upgrade with Ruiz over Walford, and again, we talked about that last episode, I kind of said w- what I want to say on that episode, so definitely check that out, um, if you want to hear more about the Caesar Ruiz things, but I do think that was extremely interesting, because really what I wanted to talk about was the Saints draft strategy, as it seems that the team really was just, really wanted Caesar Ruiz, and there was all this other um, kind of smoke screens at this point to get a linebacker or a receiver or whatever. People said they're really high on Henry Ruggs. Well, obviously they weren't high. It seems like they were high on Cesar Ruiz this whole time. 
very interesting. And the Saints wanted to stand back at 24 because they felt like they can get their guy at 24 and they wouldn't have to trade up to get their old lineman. And it just shows that the Saints, in the first round, they go get linemen. And for better or for worse, that's what they do. And I do think it's worked out for the Saints. And I think it's been for the better. And yes, it may not be the the sexy pick, but look, it ends up working out. Look at how the Saints have done the last three years and look at their first round picks, all on either the offensive or defensive line. And again, I do think that's really important. And it seems like the Saints in the third round got their linebacker that they wanted to get. So it seems like it all worked out for them. But I thought that was really interesting. And the other thing I want to say is that the Chiefs and the Saints have been fighting for offensive linemen. The Saints and Chiefs fought for Andrus Pete, and the Saints and Chiefs now fought for Ruiz, and the Saints get both. And that just shows to me that other really good organizations, a Super Bowl-winning organization with the Chiefs, want the same players the Saints do. And that just tells me, it puts a light bulb, it just put a light bulb in everyone's head that the Saints are doing the right thing if you see another great organization doing that. And again, the Dolphins are trying to rebuild, and I think they're taking the right steps towards a rebuild too. And again, I think that you see that and that you're like, the Saints have done a good job. Like teams wanted him right around there. The Saints didn't reach to get him. They picked him right where they should have. And I, and I do think that should kind of arrest anyone that's a little upset with the Cesar Ruiz pick as he seems like he's going to be a really good player for this for this team. And I really can't wait um, until you know he suits up in the black and gold and gets going for the Saints. And hopefully we see a really, um, we see an upgrade, a really big upgrade, hopefully, between him and Walford, supposedly the Saints couldn't do the certain plays as the Saints did with um, Walford compared to other guys. So maybe Walford was holding them back. We'll have to see. We'll definitely have to see. But uh, that is just going to be, you know, we'll, we'll see in the fall if, if that was true, if the Saints made the right decision. You guys all know my thoughts on it. So I, I, I think that's kind of enough there. But I thought that was really interesting with Cesar Ruiz and just kind of other teams wanted him and the Saints were the team that got him. So I do think that was really an interesting piece that Jeff Ireland said. And kind of, he gave even more insight on the Saints draft process. So now we are going to position over to our defensive end position and break down this position. So every year, we've done it the last two years and we'll do it again this year. We break down every position for the Saints, basically who's on the depth chart right now. How do they um, kind of translate into the field and like what's going to happen with the Saints? How do I like this, this, um, this position? What would I grade it right now? how comfortable I am with it, and just basically a full-fledged breakdown of that position. And I wanted to start off with defensive end because we really haven't talked about it really all offseason, and to me, it's something we got to talk about. So that's why I wanted to start that off first. I'm going to try to, whenever we do this, I'm going to try to do um, basically alternate between back and forth, but I thought this was a great position to start off because you definitely have, no, I don't want to say questions. You don't have questions, but you do. Like, Davenport's a question. To me, Trey uh, Trey Hendrickson's a question. I wanted to just jump right into it and kind of just talk about it because, to me, it's a very very interesting position and kind of what the Saints are doing here is, again, something that we should definitely talk about. So we'll start off with the depth chart, name everyone on it, and then we're going to basically just break it down, each player, and then we'll grade it or basically how comfortable I am with him, and then if the Saints should add anybody, kind of just breaking it down. So first, Cameron Jordan. So we all know the captain of the defense, definitely the best player on this defense, or at least one of the best players on this defense, if not him, then Demario Davis, but one of the top two players. Cap hit, 8.3 million, but again, that um, to me, we're not going to really be talking about, I'm just going to say the cap hit, but that's just basically for reference, so you can kind of see how much they're making, what um, percentage of the cap hit they're really going into, so that's just kind of um, what I wanted to say with that. So $8.3 million cap it, 
15 and a half sacks last year, 53 tackles, three pass defense, a forced uh, fumble recovery, 15 tackles for loss. I mean, 87.6 PFF grade. Cam Jordan's a beast, and I mean, look, we all know that, and he should maybe he won't get 15 and a half sacks because that's just an amazing season. But if he's uh, to me, he'll be in the double digits, and I, I do think if Davenport steps up, you may see a little less from Jordan. But again, I do think that that he, right now. He's the heart and soul of the defense, Cameron Jordan, and without him, the Saints don't do as much, especially on defense. What I love about Jordan is that even if he doesn't have a great player beside him, he still gets a sack. He still makes an impact on the game, and I do think that's really impressive. And the 15 and a half sacks, all the tackles for losses, 15 tackles for loss, and then looking at the three pass defense, he does everything so well. Now, look, he's going to be now being 31 at the start of 2020. Now, that's definitely something to... I mean, you're not going to be worried about it, but now he's starting to get into that. You know, this is really still in his prime, but to me, you don't worry about this year, but maybe in a few years, going to start worrying about basically what's going to happen with him. But again, he's a piece of player that all pro, pro bowler, he, he's the heart and soul of this defense. The Saints are going to need him to win, but he leads this group in a big way, like big A to start. You know, great player, and the Saints are, they're going to have to bank on him having another big year. But the real questions start with the Saints player opposite Cameron Jordan, and that's going to be Marcus Davenport. He's 24 years old only, which I think a lot of people forget that he's such a young player. This is going to be his third year, and I do think he needs a third-year jump. Now, he did have six sacks and 31 tackles, five tackles for loss, I mean, 84.1 PFF grade, but he did hit IR in that 13th game, and I do think the Saints, without him, they took a real step back especially on defense, because then after that 13th game, you saw the 49ers game, and you saw the Vikings game, and you saw the Titans game, and the Saints' defense started to not play very well, and then the game even got hurt in. The Saints started to not play so well, and then you saw an issue with the team getting pressure, and again, that really, I, I do think that Marcus Davenport, with him, the Saints go really far. Without him, the Saints don't go very far, and I do think he's an X-Factor type player, and if he comes out, and now, look, he had six sacks in 13 games, or really 12 games, because the 13th game got hurt. And so, like, really six sacks through 12 games, that means through 16, projecting it, he would have had eight. I think he's going to have to take the next step. I, I think if he comes up, and first of all, he's got to play the full season. And if he goes up with eight to ten sacks in that season, you're loving what you see. And if he plays the full season, and Cameron Jordan plays the full season, I do think that the Saints defense will improve, just the fact of the matter that having both of them healthy. And I do think that's very important. And Cameron Jordan's health isn't really as much as question as it is Davenport's. But again, this this duo needs to stay healthy this season. And Davenport's going to have to take another jump. Now, to me, he got better last season, but it wasn't fully on display. I think that if he can go up and have a 10-sack season, have a really nice um, impact in the run game, tackles for loss are there, the um, the speed is there, you would love what you're, you're able to see. And you started to see that last year, but then again, he gets hurt for a quarter of the season, and that hurts. And that does hurt, especially down the stretch and when that quarter is your last few games when you lose, when you miss five games, really. And that's something that the Saints will have to, to me, you, you don't have to, you don't bank on him, you don't bank on anyone getting hurt, but it's a player that, to me, I would like to have some insurance with more than a Trey Hendrickson, which we'll get into. But again, I think Davenport needs to take this next step. And if that's a 10-sack season, to me, that's a 10-sack season. And the Saints used a first-round grade on him, and a first-round pick, excuse me, and they obviously had a first-round grade on him to get him. He has to hit 10 sacks. But the good news is, is that he is running a similar path to what Cam Jordan was running. Cameron Jordan, first season wasn't so good. Marcus Davenport's first season, he was hurt for most of the season. 
Then you come back the next season. Cameron Jordan, I believe, had eight sacks. Davenport has six in 12 games. So you're kind of on the same parameters. Now, Jordan didn't get hurt that year. Davenport did, but you can kind of see the, the improvement. And then Jordan went into double-digit sacks in year three, and you're hoping that Davenport goes into double-digit sacks year three as well, and then you could kind of see him get better and better each year, just like Jordan did, and then you're hoping that he's your next Cameron Jordan, and both these guys can play with each other throughout the next few years, and the defense will be great. That's the storybook that the Saints are looking for now. Maybe he won't be Cameron Jordan. The injuries could hurt again. And now he's a player that coming up, to me, you need to have an insurance there, and they did in 2018 with Alex Okafor, and that's why the defense was still playing good when Devonport went out was because you had Alex Okafor, who's a high-level player, at least above-average player, and he's a player that could pick up the slack. I can't say the same about Trey Hendrickson. And that's going to be our next player we get into as, look, you look at the stats, and as a third as a third defensive end here, it's not awful. Four and a half sacks, 20 tack- 19 tackles technically, four tackles for loss, started three games, played 13, 63.3 PFF grade. Now, as a third guy, that's not awful but then again he got hurt as well and then you're looking at a guy that you're hoping that he could take the next step as well now he's going into his fourth season here and it's gonna be his last season under contract for his rookie for his rookie contract and again I do think that when you're looking at Hendrickson if he wants to take the next step I you want to see him get better at not just um in sacks but you also want to get better at run defense as well I do think the one thing is, look, you see the four and a half sacks, you're like, oh, that's great. I believe he had like a three sack game or a two sack game. So he had multiple sacks in one game that kind of beefed up those sacks. And I'm not, I'm not taking those away from him, but that game, I believe it was against the Seahawks where, you know, Davenport was healthy as well. And just Hendrickson ended up coming in in those NASCAR packages and getting some sacks and being successful as he was in that role. Now he's a successful three, but when you have to come up to play the two, you're not so, you know, you're not. You're not counting on him, and, and I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to say here from Hendrickson, and that's not a knock on him, but again, it is very interesting to kind of see what it is here, because if he wants to take the next step in his NFL career, you want him to see him have a consistent season with about six sacks, you know, and just, you know, put in the tackles for loss in there, get into PFF grade. It's not like he was awful. To me, he was just average, and kind of an average relief player, an average, you know, role player, and if he wants to take the next step, he needs to really hit that starting role. And now he may never see that. Hopefully, Davenport stays healthy. But again, the Saints are kind of banking on it. The Saints didn't get anybody to back up Davenport in the offseason. So, now, well, technically, they did get one player. But we'll get into him a little later. But again, the, it's kind of the same thing here. The Saints from last year. The Saints are going to need and they're going to count on Hendrickson to back up Davenport as some insurance. We'll see if he can do that. But again, it is going to be very interesting when looking at him and kind of see what happens. Now, if he can replicate last season, I think you put him up to six sacks, and let's say Davenport misses a few games and he gets six sacks and he plays well in relief, you're kind of happy with him, and you and you definitely re-sign him. If he doesn't, falters again, and the Saints have trouble, that's something to definitely look at for the Saints. Next player is is going to be, so now usually it would be Mario Edwards, Mario, but he also plays um, the three-tech position for defensive tackle. We're going to talk about him in that in that video, or not video, in, in that podcast. So um, just hold off our talk on Mario Edwards. But he's a player that can basically play defensive end and defensive tackle. I'm not going to talk about him twice. Um, I'm just going to talk about him in the defensive tackle because they have less players. 
So we'll talk to kind of even it out. We'll talk about him there. But he's a player that can play both positions. I would like to see him as three-tech depth more than depth on the defensive end or deep depth depth on the defensive end. But again, I, I do think that's he's a player that could play defensive end, and it's just nice to see that. But again, he's a player that's kind of... He, he, right now, to me, would be battling for your fourth defensive end role with also Marcus Hunt, who we're going to get into later, Carl Granderson, you know, Noah Spence, those types of guys. And... Uh, but that's just kind of where he stands. He did have three sacks, had a forced fumble, two tackles for loss, 66.9. PFF great. Played well when he played, for sure. He's just not, not... I don't want to say, like, he played amazing, but he just played a good role player. And, like, you need those guys to win, and he's great depth, and he definitely could start for a few games. But, again, same kind of thing. He's not going to be, like... He's not going to replace Marcus Davenport. He's just not in that role. He needs to play both. He's kind of in that in-between where he's just, you know, not big enough to play defensive tackle, but not small enough to play defensive end and then like that that, that's a great role player but that means he can't do any one thing really great so that's just kind of what it is there but he is really young 26 years old you like to see that so maybe he's going to keep on growing and you hope that he keeps on growing with the saints but it's just nice to see him there as he could be depth of his team and a really he's a solid fourth defensive end player um so i so i do think that's greater even if he's fifth you know that's really great and you would love to see that so now our fifth guy is going to be carl granderson Saints, undrafted free agent last year, fell out of the draft because of some off-the-field issues. To me, he helps with depth. Did have a sack last year, two tackles for loss. He played in eight games. He's a he's a type of player that, like, you just he's a depth player unless he gets better. And he's a player that you would love to see as a project player, and you'd love to see him keep getting better. And that's, I mean, that's the name of the game. But he's a player you obviously cannot count on more than being a role player that gets a few sacks here and there. Um, he's a player that could grow. Now, you can't bank on him growing into a starting player, but I think he has the the material and the, the ability to, but he just has to put it all together, and that's very tough. So we'll see what happens here. Look, the Saints got a bargain for him, with him as an undrafted free agent because he should have been a draft pick and definitely should have been um, on an NFL roster but had a ton of off-field issues. But now it seems like those are solved, and now he seems like, you know, it's a good, solid role player for the Saints team, especially this year. Now, hopefully, like last year, he was a role player, hoping that he gets like a better role player and just like, and then the next year he gets even better and better. And, and that's kind of what you would like. But again, you're not counting on him. I don't think the Saints are counting on him. So he's in a fine role position, kind of where he should be. He's going to have to fight for his spot on the roster. Now, look, if Noah Spence outplays him, if Marcus Hunt outplays him, which we'll get into next, we're, we're kind of going to have to see that. But again, very, very interesting. The Saints did some new players, because we always want to talk about some new players. The Saints did sign Marcus Hunt. He's 6'8", almost 300 pounds. And, you know, he's a player that... Look, the Saints obviously love getting the big, tall defensive ends. You obviously have Davenport, who's very big. You have um, now Hunt, who's very big. They just um, got an undrafted freeze. And Gus Kumbuckler, uh, Kumbler, excuse me, he's really big. So... You kind of see like what the Saints are trying to do. They're trying to get big guys here. Um, Granderson's pretty big as well. And look, he had a great 2018. First of all, he was second round pick for the Bengals. But now he's going to kind of never really materialize there. But then he moved to the Indianapolis and did play better. And he and he was a guy that had five sacks in 2018, no sacks in 2019, which I think is a big thing. Now, he did start 15 games in 2018 with those five sacks. Had a solid year. Next year wasn't as good. Obviously, he had zero sacks, only started five games and in, in, um, 16 appearances. He did have 17 tackles, and but still no tackles for loss, no QB hits. Obviously, wasn't that successful. 
but 2018, very at a very good year. Five sacks, 13 tackles for loss, I mean, six QB hits. You love to see that, and like if he could put that up for the Saints, you know, that's a, and it's a little worse than Alex Okafor, but it, that's an Alex Okafor type guy that maybe that you think he could turn into. It's interesting, because now if he does turn into that, into that five-sack guy and can kind of return back to his 2018 form, you're really liking what you can see. And then also he can flip in and play defensive tackle, which I do think is is helpful for the Saints. Kind of like Mario Edwards, who can play both. That's great. So he, he's going to be versatile. But you would love to see him t- return to that five-sack season. If he can do that, you really like his role. You know, if he can return to that, that player, you like his role on this team as that third or fourth guy kind of fighting with Hendrickson, whoever you want to put in, like, and you can kind of do a nice platoon there if he returns to that guy. Now, if he doesn't, you probably just cut him, so it's a very low risk. But again, it's a low risk, high reward. And yes, he could turn in that spot. If he doesn't, then he doesn't. And look, you do have Trey Hendrickson, I guess, as a little insurance for, for Hunt, but he's a player that has all the athletic ability in the world and just has to put it together. Started putting it together, you know, but now he's getting older now. Now he's 32. So you're hoping that, you know, he's, he probably didn't, like, the, the most he's going to put it all together is is five sacks. And you're hoping that he can return to that form. Now, if he can't, he can't. But if he could, that's a really big boost for the Saints. And that's the type of player they need. And that's why I would bring in more guys like Marcus Hunt. I would love the Saints to bring in Ziggy Anza. I'd love to bring, you know, a player like that. Obviously, Everson Griffin, I'd love to as well. I don't think they will, but I, but I do think a Ziggy Anza is more likely. The Saints visited him last, with them last year. And I do think that there's a fit there as that third, fourth guy fighting with Trey Hendrickson for that spot, and I think he could win it. I'd much rather see Ziggy Anza here than Hunt, but again, I would love, you know, this is a fine ad for kind of what you're getting, but so to me, that is very interesting there. The last guy here, the second to last guy here, I should say, is Noah Spence. Spence is a guy that the Saints signed in December, and he just was a healthy scratch each game, but he did get a sack when he played in seven games with the Washington uh, Redskins, um, three tackles on the season, had above a 60 PFF grade when he played with the Redskins. You know, and, he, and he's a type of guy that, look, had a pretty good rookie season, where I, I believe he put together a uh, five-sack season. Um, and then, you know, he was a player that basically just fell off there. And say what you want to say about him, he could come in and do a really good job. Now, again, he may not, and he may just kind of fall off and get cut. But again, he's a good guy, just a camp body to me to put in here. That again, if he comes up, and plays very well, you could see him kind of start in a role, or not start, but at least play a role on this team. He's only 26 years old. You know, he's only a player that's, you know, really, again, he's kind of right there. I mean, look, when you look at his career, it's a, yeah, it's four years only. You know, everyone forgets about him. He's not even in his fifth year yet. This will be his fifth year. And he had five and a half sacks his first year and then fell because of injuries. He didn't, he played 16 games his first season and then didn't play after. And I do think that, again, when you can get, some production out of him that would be very nice now if you don't you don't I guess to me kind of same situation with him that with that that we're in with Hunt but we've seen Hunt do that five sack role a little quicker a a little um more recent I should say than what Spence did but you know you're gonna bring him in here you're gonna bring him for competition he was on the team last year and he's just a depth piece that look you can count on if he can return to that form if he can't then you just cut him and you move on to the next guy and the Saints have the depth to do that like, you do have Trey Hendrickson, who I think no doubt is going to be around that four or five sacks range, but it depends how he gets. He's a very erratic player, and 
Again, you just want to see him, like, after the injury, because he came back from injury, after the injury, he was hurting, I think. So maybe he's going to return to that form before the injury, because it looked like he took that three-year jump before the injury, and then he got hurt, and then he just was never the same. So you're hoping that um, Hendrickson could take that next step and stay there, and then he can really be a force to be reckoned with, with Davenport, with Jordan. Because if you have all three of those guys playing at their best, the Saints line, or the Saints ends, excuse me, is going to be really good. And you don't need anyone else, but you should get a an insurance guy. And the Saints are probably going to say, well, we're getting the insurance guys with Spence and Hunt and, you know, those types of guys and Granderson. But again, I, I would have liked to add just one more player, a more, just more established player like Anza, who hasn't had that big year in a while, but he definitely has, you know, he has that potential. You would like to see them sign Everson Griffin to go really all in. But again, you kind of be fine with them. I, like, I, I would love them to get a Ziggy Anza. I'd love them to, you know, kind of pick up a guy like that. Now, without Walford, you do have $10 million in cap. You could spend that money. It'll be very interesting to see. And our last guy on this list just signed on draft a free agent. He's 6'7", 256. Gus Cumber- Cumberlander from Oregon. He's a player that, look, to me, when you're looking at him, he had four sacks back in 2018 for the Ducks. He had one and a half sacks last year and only played four games. He only played eight games in 2018. And then his um, freshman year, his redshirt freshman year, excuse me, he was only started two games, or only played two games, excuse me. He's a player that's just gotten hurt a lot. He obviously has all the physical skills, hasn't even had a chance to develop them because he's been always hurt. He was supposed to take a big step last year as he was coming into a starting role. And through four games, um, he did have one and a half sacks, two, two, two and a half sacks for, law, for tackle for loss, I should say. And that was great. But again, he never brought it all together because he got hurt. And these are the type of guys that you see going to Andrea's free agency, which is like, they would have been, like, if he put it all together, he would have been like a low, probably fifth round, fourth round pick. He didn't, so now he falls out. But like, that same potential is still there. Now he could put it all together eventually. But he's he's starting from ground, he's going ground up. Again, he's a camp body. Maybe he shows out with that with that height and, um you know, what he's able to do. Maybe his physical attributes show out and the Saints see something in to keep him. But again, I think that... Look, at the end of the day, when you're looking at probably you're going to have six defensive ends make it, probably uh, five, whatever how much it is, or probably not even six, but however many make it, it's going to be a battle between like him for that last spot. It's going to be a battle between him, Granderson, Spence, all those guys are going to be fighting. I think Marcus, Marcus Hunt may have a spot on this roster. I don't know. Um, I I think if it, if it was down to like pick two of Hunt, Granderson, Spence and Cumberler, Cumberlander. I think the Saints would go with a Hunt and Granderson. That's just kind of what I would think. Maybe not, but uh, it would be very interesting. Maybe the Saints go Spence over over Hunt. It would be very very interesting. But that is kind of what the Saints are doing with the line here. So now we are going to quickly do our next two teams for our Drew Brees, Sean Payton, uh, kind of ranking those top teams. But before we do that, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Who Dats Discussion Podcast. Welcome back into the Who Dats Discussion. And now we are going to rank the next two teams in the Drew Brees Champagne era for the Saints. So we're going to give you just a reminder on the teams to this point. So it was the 2012 team was last and 14th. uh, And then the 13th team was 2014. The 12th team was uh, 2007. Then we moved it over to our next then episode where we did our number 11 team was the 2015 Saints. Number 10 was 2016. 
And then number nine was our 2008 team. So now we're going to go into our number eight team here. And that's going to be the 2010 Saints, the first Saints team that made the playoffs on this list as the Saints went 11 and five and were a wild card team as they did end up losing in the first round to the Seahawks on the road, if you, the, the Beast Quake game, we all know it. But let's just look at this team and kind of where they kind of stack up as kind of an average Rishon Payton team, even though they were above average and went 11-5. Look, the team coming off a Super Bowl run, a lot more of the same. The offense was very good with the 6th ranked in, in uh, yards, 11th ranked in points. Defense was solid as it was the 4th ranked in yards as well. So they had a pretty solid team here. Now, they were 11-5. Kind of bad luck that they didn't win the division. But look, you you, you lost some some games that, you know, you, you should have won and you could have won. That kind of hurt them to win this division because there were some winnable games on there against the Falcons, the Buccaneers. I mean, you lost the Falcons at home, which is always tough when they do that. So that was tough. You lose to the Buccaneers at home. That's always tough. So again, those types of games do hurt. And again... When looking at it, they lost the division because of it. And to me, this team was different than that 20... Obviously, 2019, I just they were much worse. Well, why? They did lose a few games in the AFC North. And to me, that just shows that the toughness wasn't there for those teams. They lost at Baltimore. They la- they lost at home against the Browns. Like, those types of games, they're going to hurt. I mean, y- you lose at Cardinals. Like, a lot of those games, winnable games that you lose. And that's just kind of is what it is there. And... Again, it's not like, you know, look, they ended up winning the Super Bowl the year before, so it's me, it's not that big of a deal. But again, that's why they didn't win. They, they lost winnable games. I mean, Drew Brees, this is probably one of his lesser years. I mean, one of his worst years when he was on the Saints. I mean, the 22 picks hurt a ton. He did throw 33 touchdowns, but over 20 picks is never good. He ended up with 4,600 yards, which is very, very good. I mean, ended up with 68% completions, but those 22 picks really hurt. Looking at kind of the receivings and rushings, I mean, the leading rusher on this team is Chris Ivory, which to me is very interesting. Only started four games, but played in 12, 716 yards, four TDs. But I do remember him. He was a he was definitely an interesting player. The Saints, like, he was a bruiser. But when he got going, he got going. Pierre Thomas only played six games because he was hurt. So he wasn't really a big factor in the season. So that's why you had guys like Chris Ivory step up. And then you only had Reggie Bush play eight games this season. So he wasn't really a big factor so you had guys like Chris Ivory really step up for the Saints, which is kind of interesting. I mean, that just kind of, it was what it was. Julius Jones and Liddell Betts also got some stats for the Saints and started a few games, which I thought was very interesting there. Then you're looking at the guys who had over 1,000 yards, only one 1,000-yard receiver that year, and that was Marcus Colston, who had seven touchdowns as well. Then you had Lance Moore have eight touchdowns, and he led the team in that category. And this was the year when you saw Jeremy Shockey and Michael Thomas. I, I always reference it and saying, oh, like, this could be with Jared Cook and Aaron Troutman. Well, you may see a similar something here where at, um, Jeremy Shockey had 408 yards, 41 receptions, three touchdowns, and then Jimmy Graham ended up with 350 yards and five touchdowns. So you kind of saw that. They kind of split, which I don't think that will happen with Cook. I think will be a little different, but maybe it's not this year, but maybe they, the Saints bring back Cook, and maybe next year or the year after the Saints kind of see that because that's kind of what the Saints are trying. I think they're trying to do. They're trying to get Troutman into to be their number one tight end and I do think he can be that but now at least you have Cook hopefully for this year maybe in the next coming years as well and he'll really kind of get into that role then you had Robert Meacham five touchdowns 640 yards he had a pretty good season Devry Henderson 465 yards touchdown only 34 catches so again you saw kind of a 
a dip from a lot of these guys. The offense was still very solid, top 10 offense, but again, definitely very interesting. Defense, I mean, look, it was fourth overall. I mean, you saw the Pro Bowlers. I mean, Villain was a Pro Bowler. Roman Harper was a Pro Bowler, so that, that's obviously really big for them there. Um, Scott Shanley was very good. He had 76 tackles. Vilma had over 100 tackles. Roman Harper 98. So you saw that. I mean, Roman Harper also had eight pass defense, six forced fumbles for him, and a pick. I mean, seven turnovers. You always love to see that from from him. Jabari Greer comes onto the scene, has a really good year. Well, he was on, uh, he came onto the scene last year, but he stays on the scene. That's what I meant. And he is a good year again. Tracy Porter was pretty solid this year. Will Smith was good as well. Um, was pretty solid. Excuse me. With five and a half sacks, not his biggest year, but definitely not like I mean, look, five and a half sacks is five and a half sacks. I mean, he definitely. I mean, you you got some. I mean, you, you had a lot of sacks on this team from different types of players. Like you had four from Vilma, which is a lot for a linebacker. You had three from Roman Harper, who was just a lot for a strong safety. Now look, Will Smith. I mean, five and a half starting to get up up there in age. So five and a half sacks, not the worst. You had Cedric Ellis with six. I mean, Alex Brown had two, so you would you would have loved to see, I mean, Jeff Charlson had three, you would have loved to see the sack output a little better, but you got it from a lot of different places. I mean, the defense was pretty solid this year. They had a bad playoff game, and they were not good on the road. I think that was kind of the big thing. They just weren't a good road team, and that hurt the whole, t- I mean, the whole team wasn't that good on the road. At home, they were all good. I mean, they're all very, very solid. I mean, they didn't give up a lot of points, especially at home, but on the road, you gave up they gave up points, and look, 30, um, 30, then they gave up 22, 30, this is on the road, just every game on the road, 6, then they gave up um, 3 only, so that was very, very, very good, obviously, but then 30, then 34, or 30, excuse me, again, um, then 27, and 30 again, so kind of right around there, it, it's just, and then 41 in the playoff game, this kind of is what it is. And again, that, that hurt them, I think, a lot, especially on the road. And the team wasn't a good, wasn't built for the road. It didn't have that same strong and moxie. They probably felt like, oh, we're a Super Bowl team. You know, we're not that. And teams, especially at home, went out to beat these guys. And they did. And they weren't as good. But at home, you still had that same moxie. On the road, you didn't. So that was kind of what that team was all about. They ended up playing in the wild card game. They ended up losing. Seattle catches lightning in a bottle and beats them. Marshawn Lynch keeps the lightning in a bottle and beats them. It's an interesting game, or interesting season for the Saints. Kind of just a middle season, like, for the Saints. I mean, look, the offense was good. The defense was pretty good, too, especially on at home. On the road, it had, had its games, but it was a pretty solid. And, look, when you're looking at the team, top 10 defense is kind of what you want to see. And you saw that, look, that 2011 team was really good, and it's going to be higher on this list. You saw that this this group was going to stay together. So it, it wasn't, like, a bad year. Like, it was just another year, kind of, of what it was. You just had a few things not go their way. They just, to me, weren't the same team. People compare this team to, like, the 2019 Saints, just where a few things just didn't go their way. The division didn't, even though you're 11-5, you don't win your division. Saints were 13-3, didn't make it to the, uh, didn't have a bye week. That just kind of was, just didn't go their way at the end, and they played a bad playoff game. And in the playoffs, that's just what happens. Even though the team was pretty solid, that's just what happens. So that's going to do it for that 20 10 team and now our final team here as we're approaching 35 minutes sorry we're going a little long in these episodes but um this last one here is going to be the 2013 team and this is going to be now our seventh team coming in here and that's gonna be the 2013 team and this team you're you're probably gonna tell me that there's a team on this list that that didn't win a playoff game it's a little further up there is now this team did win a playoff game but to me it was a gutty playoff game and to me you just saw this was the end 
I mean, it was the beginning of the end. Now they did. They started off firing five and zero. I remember it. They were firing on all cylinders, but then they lost a tough loss to the Patriots. But you're still like fine. Okay, that's the Patriots. Like it was at New England, tough loss. They beat the Bills and they lost to the Jets. I was actually at that game. Felt like a winnable game that they lost. Then you lose to Seattle, just in an awful fashion. And then it was like the the wheels fell off for the team. Then they they did beat Carolina, but then they lost against the Rams. And then they lost against Carolina at Carolina. And then they ended up losing the playoffs. So, again, it just felt like after that, see, it seems like that Seahawks loss, they lost 34-7. After that loss, it just felt like that era of the Saints was over. And it's tough to think about. But, you know, the, the Saints after that game then lose, you know, 3-4. out of four, And it's just tough. It's just a tough kind of... And, and that's why this, this team, even though they did win a playoff game... And it was their first road win. Like, this is your first road playoff game. And they didn't win a road playoff game since. So, like, the Saints, this team, Saints team, definitely has a lot to prove for them, especially that game. But I don't think that, that Philadelphia Eagles team was that good that they played. Now, they did beat them, and that's really big for them. And that ended up being a really good game. And then you're going to tell me, like, how would you put the 2019 team over this? And I do think people are going to say that. And I'm just going to say, like, that team is so much more, the last year's team is so much more talented. To me, I really just think the Saints, that Saints team, just, last year's Saints team, just had a bad like a bad roll of the dice, and this team, I think this was their potential of the season, and I think they maxed it, and like they weren't a Super Bowl team, they weren't a Super Bowl caliber team, and they didn't win the Super Bowl, even though you had the fourth most points and the fourth most yards, uh, the, 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 the fourth most points per uh, yards per game, and, the, and you gave up the fourth least yards a game, and they were 10th in points and fourth in points for defense, they just weren't fully there, in my opinion, and especially after that Seattle game. Because you, you look the year in full, like, they started 8-2, and two, and this is a good 8-2 and two team through. Like, they had some good wins through that first that first 10 games, really 11 games, because then they beat, they were 9-2, and two, and then just after that 9-2, they fell up. They fell apart. They lost, I mean, they were in the division lead at this point, they just beat the Falcons, and then, you know, they, they even were at 10-3, and three, and then they played for the division, really, against the uh, Panthers, and they lost for the division, and then you knew it was kind of over. You lost that game against the, the Rams. They, they almost collapsed. They lost two of their last three games. If they won those two games, they would be in the playoff. They would be in the division. Uh, they would have won the division, and I think they would have maybe sidestepped Seattle to get into that the conference championship game because then they would have played the Niners in that game, and then you know maybe they would have beat the Niners in the divisional round um, and the rematch of the 2011 divisional round, and maybe they would have ended up winning. You can't. You obviously can't kind of control how everything goes out but again that's just kind of what happened there and kind of just what it was from that standpoint breeze and had a really good season 39 touchdowns only to 12 interceptions this was like top drew breeze really what you want to see over 5,000 yards just an amazing down the field assault from breeze now this rushing receiving Pierre Thomas was your leading rusher with over 500 yards, 550 yards. Then you had Mark Ingram, and then Darren Sproles, Kerry Robinson were also there. You kind of had a four-man backfield in kind of a weird fashion. Um, but Pierre Thomas was the only one to play 16 games that year, so that was very interesting. Sproles played uh, 15. He was still obviously a big part. He had 71 receptions, 604 yards was Darren Sproles. But, I mean, you saw huge years from Jimmy Graham, who had 16 touchdowns. This season, like that's crazy with with twelve over twelve hundred yards. This was max Jimmy Graham. This was like when, like 
Like, I remember when the Saints played the Seahawks and, and they said they got Jimmy Graham and they ended up doing it, but that was really, like, the begin. That, that was, like, the top Jimmy Graham. And then the Seahawks ended up stopping him to kind of start that downspin of Jimmy Graham. But, again, this was top Jimmy Graham. Marcus Colston had 950 yards and a pretty good season. I mean, Lance Moore put in 37 catches kind of in the waning years of his career. Kenny Stills, 400, uh, 640 yards and five touchdowns. But the main, the main point of this offense was Sproles, Graham, and Colston. Those are those are your three-handed monsters there, and they all did a pretty good job. I mean, uh, Sproles had over 800 yards all-purpose, and then you had uh, Colston with 900, 950 yards, five touchdowns, and 75 receptions, and then you had Jimmy Graham with a monster year of 86, touch, 86 catches, over 1,200 yards, and then also 16 touchdowns. Like, that's just a crazy amount. Over the defense, kind of, this was the first year of Rob Ryan, so kind of a different look for this team. They had Curtis Lofton, who they added who had a very good year. I mean, 125 tackles, which is good. I mean, really good. Two sacks, four pass defense. He had a good year. David Hawthorne, his first year with the Saints, we had three sacks, and he had a pretty good game with 90, a pretty good season with 91 uh, tackles. Kenny Vaccaro in, um, I believe this was his first year. He had 79, um, 79 tackles. He had a, a pretty solid season for the Saints. And um, he was, I mean, look, you saw him and the Mountain Jenkins. Like, that's a pretty, that was a really solid safety duo here with Jenkins and Vaccaro. And then they also had Keenan Lewis, who played really good on the back end as well. And, like, that that was a solid group. I mean, your second corner kind of wasn't as good with, you know, Corey White was in there. It was kind of just, I mean, Jabari Greer was in there. But then Corey White was also, they kind of, because Jabari Greer got hurt that season, which is probably another reason why the Saints weren't as good. But, um, again, that's just kind of what it was. Because then Corey White took over after Greer's injury and just wasn't the same, which I think makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're looking at the defensive end, Cameron Jordan, who's 12 and a half sacks, had an amazing year. Then you had this was the year Junior Gallette had 12 sacks. Like, that's what the Saints want when when you're looking at Davenport and Jordan. You want a Jordan and Gallette type year from those two guys. I think it could happen. I do think it could happen. So that, to me, that was really interesting. The team got a ton of pressure. They had a solid back end, especially when they had... Um, Greer, I mean, uh, with a Greer, like, that, that's a solid team. A solid defense. And then you had Curtis Lofton manning the middle, and then you had Hawthorne in there. Solid team. Solid team. Then you had Greer get hurt, and that kind of opened up a little bit. But again, that was a solid defense, solid offense. And you saw that. They were a solid team, especially through that first. Like, they were 9-2. and two. Like, that's, a, you know, they were definitely in the running. Um, they played Thursday night, November 21st, and after that, it just fell. And, uh, you know, after that Thursday night game, they just weren't the same team, and uh, they kind of saw it. Now, look, they did win a playoff game, but I do th- I didn't think they were going to, like, they were such an underdog in that C- Seahawks game, it would have been a big upset if they were able to win it, and they ended up not winning it. So, and, and that was kind of the end of that Saints team. This was, like, the last year of that Saints run, and that's why I'm putting it in this position. Well, I do think those 2019 Saints, who are probably going to come shortly here after in our next episode, I, I don't think that was the end of an era. I think this team was an era, end of an era. So, to me, that is very interesting there. So, with all that said, I think it's time to wrap up this podcast. As I said at the beginning of the episode, definitely check out our film study. We did it on Emmanuel Sanders. Definitely check that out. Would love to see you guys listen. We're going to be coming with more film studies and more podcasts on the way. We're going to be doing more of this off-season topics, like with these position great breakdowns, doing this Drew Brees, Sean Payton rankings. And um, it is definitely really fun doing these. Now, these podcasts are running a little long. I'm going to try to cut them back now. Uh, throughout throughout the next few episodes back to 30 minutes but again this was probably just because we also had a new segment with the thing about Ruiz which I thought was very interesting but I thought this was a solid episode and thank you guys for listening to me talking all this time because I, I, I just find this stuff so interesting and I hope 
you guys do too. So, with all that said, I want to say thank you, run it back, and who dat?